0: The Hawkeye Nation podcast is happy to have Exile Brewing Company as our anchor sponsor based in Des Moines, Iowa down at 1514 Walnut Street established in 2012 the 2015 Great American Beer Festival gold medal winner top 10 best selling new craft beer in the nation for 2015 and you have that in Des Moines, Iowa available on tap and in bottles throughout the entire state. They brew five year round beers 10 to 15 seasonal and limited release beers, so check them out. Exile Brewing Company, 1514 Walnut Street. HN Podcast with Miller and Dace coming at you as we record this on March the 19th, late in the evening. That would also be the day that Iowa's basketball season came to an end this year with their overtime two-point loss to TCU 94 to 92. And, you know, it's it's rare when you lose a game when you're 16 of 30 from three-point range but i can tell you how you do that you go 8 of 19 from the free throw line in regulation and you give up 28 points off of turnovers and that's what iowa did that's why they lost free throws killed them in the second half of this game they still had a showed a lot of guts and effort to come back down 11 you know midway through that uh second half TCU's not a great team. Iowa's not a great team. It was an entertaining basketball game. It was a sold-out arena. And I don't want to say a fitting end. I mean, every season's going to have an end. It's going to end on a loss with the all of, you know, three teams, and those three teams win the NIT, the NCAA, or the CBI. So it's never going to end great for you. But, Steve, I, I, I had a heck of a lot of fun watching this season. I had a lot of fun watching this game. Defense was optional. But um, – they are who they are. They're a young team with a bright future.
1: Well, it's good. I mean, next year won't be as fun because you'll have a lot more expectations. Indeed. So, so it'll be more nerve-wracking. It'll be more intense. There'll be more legitimate complaining after losses. But, you know, there's not really a game plan for suck at the free-throw line um, and just be exceedingly careless with the basketball. I mean, TCU had 21 points off at of turnovers at halftime that's an excellent number for a game, Mm -hmm. let alone at half time. And that's just, I mean, that's just sloppy play. You know, you're right, you have to try to lose a game when you hit 16 threes at home. I would venture that the amount of teams, since the three-point line came in in 1987, I would venture the amount of teams who have made 16 three-point shots at home and lost is less than 1%. Going back 30 years, you have to try and do that, but you know that stuff happens in postseason play. You get some crazy results, particularly in uh, games like this, where um, it's it's not a, a tournament where everybody's focused and fixated all the time because it's where all the attention is. Uh, the bottom line for Iowa is they had more freshmen score points than any team in this league. So you know they're one of 16th, I think, next year that has a legitimate chance from the Big Ten to be a preseason top 25 team?
0: Yeah, I think so. I I, I would say that um, Jordan Bohannon, as it finished, he finished the season with three consecutive double-doubles, scoring at least 19 points in each of those games and having at least 10 assists in each of those games. I mean, immediately after the game, I went through the Iowa media guide and looked at the record book, both freshman season records and season records regardless of class. Um, Bo Hannon made 89 threes this season, which is the fifth highest total ever in a single season at Iowa. He had 175 assists this year. That's the eighth best single season mark at Iowa. Of course, both of those Uh, our freshman records. I mean, I think the the three-point record was like 52, and he has 89. And the assist record was 140, and he's got 175. Um, You know, it was the, the sixth best point total for a freshman. Uh, in Iowa history. Before this season began, Iowa had never had more than two freshmen in any one season, top 200 points in the same season. And this year, Bohannon, Cook, Pemsel, and Moss had at least 200, and Bohannon, Cook, and Pemsel had at least 300. So, and only three Hawkeyes ever have had at least 372 points and 175 assists in a single season. Jeff Horner, Andre Warridge, and Jordan Bohannon. I don't know that Jordan Bohanan's ever going to be first team all Big Ten. But he certainly won me over uh, as a point guard for Iowa, even though I think he has some deficiencies still. That's a heck of a freshman year for a kid that not many people wanted. I agree with you completely. In fact, I think I said on the podcast a couple months ago,
1: uh, it might have been after uh, uh, you guys beat us in overtime in Iowa City to open the Big Ten, the two guys that I liked a lot on Iowa's team, I mean, obviously Tyler Cook I think has NBA ability. And, you know, Peter Jock was the leading scorer in the Big Ten. So, I mean, those guys are known commodities. But the two guys that I liked on Iowa's team that I thought with their development could take this thing to the next level was Bohannon. Because, yeah, I I get that he's got some – as you get – some of the teams in the Big Ten, you know, you think of a Minnesota or some of those other teams with a Nate Mason. They're going to try and break him down off the dribble, maybe post him up down low because of some of those – Size or quickness issues, but but he has a, he has a, a, an edge to him. I mean he's got he's got he's got some street some dog in his game, and I think you need that. Um, you know, I, I think that is you need to have somebody on your team that has that. And when your point guard has that, I, I think that's an added bonus. And I think he brings some of that juice to the Iowa team. And the other guy I told you that I liked a lot was pencil because I mean, that guy just occupies. What's the old Al McGuire term? He's just a space eater. He occupies a lot of space uh and and i think that uh the more that he develops any kind of a low block game i mean he's never going to be a number one or two or even number three scoring option at least if things are going well he's not going to be but but if he has any sort of a drop step at all so that that just gives you one more person to go to if a tyler cooks in foul trouble things of that nature going forward in the future. And so I think the way those two guys developed, I mean, Bohannon has the stats, but I particularly the way we play in the Big Ten, I think Pencil's a guy that could be one of those glue players for Iowa next year.
0: Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll talk more about basketball, and I'll write a lot more about basketball here in the coming weeks. Um, NCAA tournament, Steve, going on right now. Um, there's still a couple of games left on Sunday night, but by and large, the first two rounds are in the books, and been a lot of debate about this on social media over the weekend with uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, and also Purdue advancing to the Sweet 16. We talked last week when the tournament was announced, and we looked at the seeding. We thought the Big Ten was maybe seated uh, a little bit lower than potentially they should have been. I mean, Wisconsin was the number two team in the regular season in the Big Ten, and they were an eight seed, and Villanova says thank you very much uh, for that. You you correctly predicted Wisconsin's beating Villanova as you are thumping me uh, on the brackets this year. And then Michigan is just continuing their storybook run. Do you think that pundits, including myself – who said that the Big Ten was down this year relative to where it's been, relative to a year ago, relative to the rest of the game. Do you think that uh, we were wrong, or do you think that it's not fair to analyze a league and a season by one-and-done situations in the tournament, or both?
1: Uh, I think it's a little bit of everything you just said. And and, uh, first and foremost, I'll just say this, because you know I think this is the dumbest debate in sports is – conference superiority i don't know nobody goes out there and chants nfc west nfc west nfc west you know because the seahawks won the anfc san francisco 49er fans don't take pride in that but because of the regionalization of college sports i get that to some extent um, i just think that with the advent of the es of, of espn and, and, and the sec channel this has gone, I think, to a ridiculous level now. I mean, it, it, it used to be a, 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 meaning, a, a meaningless but fun debate. Now it's just annoying, okay? This idea that I really care what other teams at my conference do. I don't know why you do. You know, like I don't, I don't know how many Cardinal fans are rooting for the Cubs last October in the World Series. NL Central, bitch. I, who freaking cares? You know, I don't get this. But since this is – a lot of people do, we'll play with it for a few minutes, I, I, I don't think no, the narrative I on the Big Ten was, the was wrong at all, actually. actually. League the league wasn't as good. Look at, look at look it, 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 look it. its it non-conference wins. wins. Where, are Where are they? I mean, I mean the the, team, team, the two the teams, teams that had the that best two non-conference, non-conference, non-conference wins, play. the best They're pair of sure. them, Indiana, Indiana didn't, didn't make the tournament, Michigan was the eighth seed in the Big Ten tournament. Those two teams probably had the best pair of non-conference wins in the conference this year. I think I think what we've seen is what we saw during the year the top of the league is not as good as it has been. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, Purdue is a Big Ten champion. They're, I mean, they're pretty much as good as, as you know, I mean they're not one of the greatest Big Ten champions ever, but they're about as good as Indiana was last year maybe not quite as talented as michigan was a couple of years ago with staskis and glenn robinson jr and those guys but they're pretty representative what you typically see of a big 10 champ. i think vince edwards is going to play professional basketball somewhere caleb swanigan's a first-round draft pick in the nba jared Hawes, may be a first-round draft pick in the nba by the time this is done in a couple of years so i think that their team's pretty representative actually the problem was we didn't have two or three teams that were vying right. for number one or number two seeds. That's the right. difference. Okay, And now I do think the middle of the league was good. And I think I even said on our podcast a few weeks ago that I thought that the Big Ten could do better in the NCAA tournament than we thought going in because we're going to get a lot of good teams. We're going to be five, six, seven, and eight seeds. And and that's going to present some second round problems for folks, and I think that's what you saw. I think Wisconsin being an eight seed, and I said this last week, John. The minute I saw the looks on their faces on Selection Sunday, I was going with them. That's a senior class that has won Big Ten titles. That's been the back to back Final Fours and the Sweet 16 last year. They were going to play with a chip on their shoulder. And if I was Villanova, I probably thought to myself, Snap, man, I open up to play them in round number two. Uh, And then, you know, Michigan, to me, just kind of looks like a team of destiny in a way. And and, that can end at any time, of course. It's a one and done. But you look at the game one they played against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State shot 55% from the field. They were plus 14 in rebounds. They lost. OK, that like that never, never happens. happens. OK, so, so they, they, they in game one, they beat the team that's number one in Ken Palm's offensive efficiency. Today, they beat the team that's number five in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. I mean, that's just team of destiny kind of stuff. Uh, so I think that's almost as much as I'm loving it. And it's great. If, but if they were playing way below their potential in, Jan, in December and in January, they're playing above it now. Uh, I think it's it's a fluke, but it's a historic one that I'm enjoying the heck out of. Uh, and. and, and, and and then you, and have, you Wisconsin, have Wisconsin, which again, we've talked talk about, about is a program, program with a tremendous, tremendous pedigree that, that just a month, a month ago, just, you know, hit a skid. Bronson Kennedy got hurt yeah. took that, yeah. and, and that yeah. took yeah. them yeah. out of their yeah. rhythm, yeah. the rotation yeah. teams, yeah. teams yeah. just started yeah. playing hack a hack, you know, yeah. big yeah. 10 teams. in yeah. the yeah. second, yeah. second, the yeah. second swing through of games realized, you know, Nigel Hayes and Ethan Happ can't shoot free throws. Just act those guys up, you know? Well, those are things that when we get into outside of the conference, you don't have time to do much scouting. Those are things that other, that, you know, you don't. See, get exposed as often in the tournament as they do in a conference season in a long two or three month grind. So I, I think in some respects, the tournament has validated what we thought of the Big Ten and also that everybody's opinions were way overblown uh, because people care too much about this debate. Uh, the the, uh, the ACC has been, been a colossal, a colossal disappointment. disappointment. North Carolina probably should have lost today. As we As speak now, Duke now, is losing to South Carolina in the second half. half. A game they'll probably come back and win. But, but it's, it's, it's hardly been, this is the greatest conference ever, kind of an NCAA tournament. And I think this is all just, and that doesn't mean the ACC sucks, it's a great league. I just think that we, we, we care about this debate so much that we blow all of this out of proportion one way or the other.
0: Here's why I might disagree with you a little bit on that point. When you talk about the NFC West, any, any reference to professional sports is, non, is non-germane, in my opinion, because all of those sports have one thing in common. They have playoffs. So there's no subjectivity to the inclusion or not being included uh, in those particular sports. In college, in basketball, and in football, There is. There is subjectivity and when a narrative, let's say potentially a false narrative, or just an overwhelmingly worn-out narrative that is a lazy narrative, like you know the SEC football narrative the last couple of years. Well, they, they they haven't been as good as they were five or six years ago, but you still have these lazy thinkers and folks that don't use their own mind and their own eyeballs and look and see what's going on in the field, and that can have an impact on something like a selection committee. So all year long you hear oh the AC John Rothstein this the ACC might be the best conference in the history of basketball, and then they go out and they lose by twenty. 25. You know, Virginia has one of the most, you know, performances ever by a team seated that high. It was it was pathetic not even score forty points. Miami gets blown out by twenty, I mean, and, and they and they look not very good at all. And you have people saying they're the best conference uh, in the country. Writers and, and the selection committee members are human, so anytime I think you have subjectivity involved, I think that's where the conference debate that you don't like does have, I don't know if I want to use the word merit or value, but it's certainly understandable to me because unlike the NBA, the NFL, or Major League Baseball, they have playoffs. You either get in or you don't based upon wins and losses, and it's not by a committee. College football and college basketball have committees to decide their champions, and that's why I think it matters more.
1: Agree with everything you just said. In fact, I think everything you just said reinforced my point because we're blowing this all out of proportion everything you just said matters i mean the the committee because we blow this debate about which conference is best and everything else it does make it does subjectively influence all the people you're talking about which is why it does matter i agree with you i think it should not because i think we spend way too much time on this like I, I i really don't know i mean how many tennessee basketball fans if kentucky wins the championship how many uh, Tennessee, Tennessee basketball, basketball fans are going to go buy Kentucky by Kentucky here? I mean, they're not. I mean, this is, I mean, this this is, is largely – and, 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 oh, well, Steve, it's, it's SEC basketball. is bigger than biggest football okay. football. okay. How many Auburn, Auburn fans have have bought Alabama National Alabama Championship T-shirts, do T-shirt. T-shirt. yeah. I, I just think and this, it, this, is, this large, is largely completely, completely uh, uh, a, 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 a contrivance, this conference pride stuff. And a lot of it, frankly, just comes from the having the SEC shove down our throats the rest of the country for the last decade and a half in football, which, of course, they were by far the best conference, yet overrated at the exact same time. <laughs> okay? So, because of this phenomenon, and so I think this is this is splintered into basketball. You know, when we were kids and we talk about how great the Big Ten was in the mid to late 80s, I don't ever remember watching Center at night, do you, and them debating the Big Ten or the Big East, who's better? I don't remember that ever happening. I don't remember people giving a rip about crap like that. Okay? Yeah, but this is This is is largely largely a media phenomenon, phenomenon, social media, media, and the fans buy into into it. it, it, And 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 we we like to have a living interest in something something, rather than just watching watching for fun. So 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 there's conference pride for a night. You know, but the Big Ten's not – the ACC is not selling ACC football championship gear on behalf of Clemson. Clemson won the championship, not the ACC. All right? And the same thing last year in basketball. Villanova won, not the Big East. So So, I think a lot of this is way way overblown, overblown, and because it's way overblown, overblown, everything everything you said a minute ago is absolutely absolutely true.
0: You have an unbelievable, unbelievable, and and I've never known anyone else like this, ability to tell someone that they're right, but then say, but I'm right too. That's a hell of a, that's a great skill. (laughs)
1: I'm just saying I thought I thought you I thought you added to my point. I agree with you. I think mean, you just I think your analysis is completely correct. I think I don't think I, I just think in this case maybe um, one of us is analyzing the cause, me, you're analysing the effect. And so yes, now that now that we've all been sucked into this vortex, we now have to acknowledge it. You know, I mean, and this is not just as simple as, you know, um, I got to cover recruiting now because SuperHawkeye.com in 2001 turned into a cottage industry. This is not that. I mean, this is real life stuff where you're right. I mean, a team that was in the top 15, top 10 all year until the last two weeks of the season. Who, the, who was one game out of first place in the Big Ten and was a finalist in the Big Ten tournament, got freaking seeded eight, man. Eight. Why? Because of all the garbage that you just described. That's why. That's why they yeah. got seeded eighth. That's why.
0: Indeed. Speaking of brackets, um, like I said, this is one of my worst performances uh, I can recall. Right now, out of like 14-point... I don't know how many million brackets were submitted to ESPN, but I'm in. I'm ranking at 14.8 million right now. I'm in the 21st percentile. Um, just, I have all my Final Four teams left still, but just did not do well on my upsets. I did horrible picking Vanderbilt uh, to beat Gonzaga when Vanderbilt lost to Northwestern in round one. Uh, you hammered your uh, eight over a one upset Wisconsin over. Villanova. I gave you grief last week for the homework Iowa State and Michigan predictions, uh, to which you replied, "Screw you." Um, and Iowa State nearly pulled off an incredible comeback down 19. They took a lead against Purdue after being down 19. Didn't yeah, they? they did. Yeah, that was. That's yeah, bright. I think
1: I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm sure as yeah. Iowa fans have moments like this, whether it's the second half against UNLV, for example, back in the day. For the rest of his coaching career, if he never gets to a Final Four, Steve Prome is going to wake up at night 20 years from now in a cold sweat. First half game plan against Purdue. What the hell was that? I don't know what they were doing out there. I don't watching that game. I was just beyond frustrated watching it. They're virtually the same team Michigan is. I mean, Michigan doesn't have a Deontay Burton, and they're a little bit more flexible than we are. We're a little longer than they are, but we're virtually the same team. Four out, one in. Virtually the same team. Dominant point guards, Derek Walton, Monte Morris. You saw what Michigan did to Purdue twice. They forced those bigs out of the lane, made them made them play defense, 20 feet away from the basket, and you saw what happened. I don't know what Iowa State was doing in that game. I mean, you you could watch whole. Go back and watch the tape. You'll see whole possessions on defense where Caleb Swanigan and Jared Haas never even move. They don't even move. They didn't make a move at all. Finally, in the second half, he makes a big adjustment. They go all small and they go on a 23 to 8 run and eventually get the lead. I, that 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 is a first half of basketball from a game planning standpoint. Steve Prome the rest of his life is going to
0: probably be Matt. Yeah, it was entertaining in the second half. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Purdue winds up winning. Um, and you had Michigan making it to the Sweet 16, and, and they did that. We've already talked about that uh, a little bit. Do you have – I had Wichita State beating Kentucky, and that was a pretty good good game down the end, and that didn't come through. I had Middle Tennessee – I
1: saw this again in that game. John, can we do an intervention with college coaches? Seriously. When you're behind and you have the ball or it's tied, take the first best shot you have, okay? The, don't sit there and try to get cute and score with two seconds on the clock, where you end up taking some poop shot. All right, that's exactly what, what, what Wichita State did again today. This is becoming an epidemic in college basketball.
0: I saw your you, you, I,
1: I, I want to be the team that scores. And puts the pressure on the other team to respond. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rather than run it down, run it down, run it down. Okay, fine. I, I get okay, so okay, fine. You get the ball, end of the game, twenty-seven seconds left. I get that you want the last shot. But instead of okay, I'm gonna hold it until seven seconds, hold it until ten. Because, even if, because if you score, the likelihood of going the length of the court in two and a half seconds is not very high. It's a lot lower. It's about, it's about the same odds of you getting a good shot off once they collapse their defense with three seconds left on the shot clock. I just don't get why team after team after team, after team does this. It makes no sense to me.
0: I saw your tweet when you made that, and I don't disagree with you. I, I think if you went back and watched the last couple of possessions by Wichita State, I don't know if they passed up a good shot. I I mean, they were dribbling the ball out high. I don't know if they were ever in position to to find a good shot um, because Kentucky was extending and overplaying. But I I don't disagree with your premise um, at all. Um, Some late games winding down. UCLA is down one to Cincinnati late in the first half. Um, A lot of talk about Steve Alford this weekend. uh, As you know, since we last recorded a podcast, Indiana replaced, fired Tom Crean, which you and I debated several weeks ago, and I I felt at the time that he was going to be on the hot seat, but you talked me off that ledge when I went back and looked at what he'd done in recent years. And This was like a couple of months ago, and you're like, what are you talking about? He won the Big Ten last year, and he won it two years prior to that. Uh, Anybody
1: gone from Big Ten Coach of the Year to Fired?
0: Big Ten Coach of the Year to Fired. I don't know.
1: Has Has that ever happened? Like, Ever?
0: I don't know, but when you, yeah, if you take away his first three years at two Big Ten Championships, and the first three years were rebuilding years, Big Ten champ, two Big Ten Championships, two or three maybe, um, three sweet 16s, and like you mentioned, he was Big Ten Coach of the Year a year ago, he lost OG and Anobi in, mid, was it middle of January, the guy played 16, 17 games this season. Uh, mm-hmm. A vastly different team, without arguably their most difficult offensive player to defend, a very unique matchup problem was OG Ananobi, and they fire him, and that speaks to me that uh, maybe they didn't get, didn't get along with the athletic director, rubbed people the wrong way, uh, his his buyout was going to be down to one million dollars on July first, so one more year. Everything to me, Steve said, the guy's probably going to get one more year. Next year, maybe he's on the hot seat. But I, I I was shocked. I was shocked that he lost it. And the amount of people tweeting and writing about and speculating on and believing that Steve Alford is going to be the next Indiana coach, there is a lot of that, especially from uh, Dan Dackett, ESPN's Dan Dackett. He's also a Sports Talk radio show host in Indianapolis. And he tweeted out on Saturday that he feels like it's a done deal. And this was after he went on the set of ESPN. And, and, and I don't know where this came from, but basically saying how he brokered um, Steve Alford to New Mexico several years ago. And, and basically was saying that, you know, New Mexico had better fan support, this, that and the other. That ruffled a few feathers on Saturday. What do you make of all this?
1: Well, let's let's look at each of these as separate stories. First, there's the Crean story, and then there's the Alfred story. You know, the, I, I was very I was surprised. Not as surprised I was that Brad Underwood took over Oklahoma State for a year, and then the day after they lost a heartbreaker in the N.C.A.A. tournament, walked in, I assume, and told his team, "See, you guys, have a nice life," and took the Illinois job. I, I was. I mean, that's a, that's a canoe move, if you, if you, if you ask me. I, I just thought that was a douche move on Brad Underwood's part. Yeah. And the hiring of him tells me that either they botched their search or guys like Scott Drew and other people that were being mentioned just turned them down. Uh, but uh, I, I just thought that was a douche move, man. I did. I was far more surprised at that, and I was surprised at the cream thing. I think what the cream thing tells you is this. And it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. the the world of the, the world of uh, of internal fandom that the message board community for for you know has within college sports is a huge world. But it is, it is often, often ignored by, the, by larger the larger college, college sports world, world right? right? And so there are there things are you learn and glean from being, from being on these message boards that are, in, that in and these and in these communities, communities that, you, that that are that you you know, you know a certain, certain segment, segment of the of of, 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 of the fan bases base at each of these schools. This represents this, represents this mindset, this mindset whatever it happens to be. You're just never really sure how many people it is because a lot of times what gets bandied about on our online communities is ignored by the larger. Athletic media community, but it's but, it's, so, but, in, but within it's the, the message really board community, it has been a known commodity around big ten circles for the last, the last two or three years. years. Indiana, Indiana fans, fans, at least in, at least that, in that in in, in, those, in those places, places hate in this guy sky, on a visceral, a visceral personal, personal level. level. For reasons, for reasons and stories, stories that we probably, that we since we're not we're Indiana not fans, fans, just not, privy, not privy to, because all we all can we see are the see results on the court, court, and they've been pretty good, been good. since he took, he took over took a program, program had Chernobyl right, right before he got, he there. got there. So, so there, there's, there's interpersonal there's things here that he, he, he just, just didn't, didn't have, have, he just did not have support. And it's obvious that somebody came in here and because of that wrote them a $4 million check to buy him out and just said, get rid of the guy, we're done. Um, uh, I, I think I that's think the that issue is, with him. I don't think it's think what happened on the court at all. I think I it's think simply um, he just he wasn't liked. People just didn't right. like this guy. They were, they were looking for an excuse to run him, and he gave it to him this year. And you kind of thought maybe the clock was ticking after they lost to Michigan at home. And he went in the a post-game press conference, remember this, and just lit up his team, I mean, really bad. I mean, really bad. Uh, beyond even what we used to see offered do at Iowa uh you kind of uh, thought kinda maybe the clock was ticking there you kind of thought maybe he's either going to lose this team after this or they'll go on a run and you know about once every four or five games after that they put on a show like they did against iowa in the big 10 tournament and then they just suck the other games in between that and he pretty much lost his club and they use that as an excuse to get rid of it
0: uh
1: and so i think he'll land at his feet like if i was a cow if i was an nc state i would not call him because that's similar to the hire you just made with Mark Gart Godfrey that you just got rid of. But if I was Cal, absolutely I would have called him. If I was Missouri, I'd have waited another week because I'd rather have this guy than Quanzo Martin. You know, so I, I think he, I think he will land on his feet for sure. I mean, look at you look at you look at, you look at uh, what Rick Barnes, who you know what he did at Texas, and they got sick of him and ran him, and he landed on his feet at Tennessee, another Power Five job right away. And I would make the argument that Tom Crean's a better basketball coach than Rick Barnes, which is pretty good coach so, so I, I think he I will think land he on his feet with another power five job and it won't be very long but that but brings that us to offer. offer i think I there think is, is no is question he will be the coach, coach. i put it at 95 percent or higher um, um it, it's what he's always, he's always wanted. wanted and i think, and that, I think that, that this goes back to the argument that you and i had on kx when, when Iowa i was State hired for hoiberg, hoiberg. Now, now offer has, has a lot more coaching experience than hoiberg did but it's but it's it's a similar circumstance uh, Alford, uh, Alford, I don't Alford, think he's a great, he's a great coach. coach. I think I he's think a more he mature coach, coach than he was at Iowa. Iowa, but I've never thought he, thought he was a great coach. coach. I think he's I a think competent he's one. one, but I think, but he, I has think he has the potential to be a great coach, coach in, Indiana, in Indiana, and here's Indiana why. why. Because, because even though it's, know, the, even though know, Harbaugh's, Harbaugh's record as a coach is more impressive than Alford's, it's similar these are the favorite sons coming home to programs that are tired of what they view as mediocrity or sucking or not reaching their potential. And granted, the Indiana basketball program has performed better in McCrean than Michigan had under Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez, but to their fan bases, the situations are analogous. And, And I think you will see Uh, Just as as you see Michigan, Michigan's had the money to provide private planes for recruiting and all the six-figure salaries for non-essential football staff. All the money Michigan's spending now, they didn't just get this last year. They've had this money all this time. They just didn't think there was a coach worthy of, of necessarily going there for. They will. They they, they and so they're gonna do it for Jimmy. And just as I just as I was stay, was gonna go all the way for Fred, hey, you wanna become transfer you? I mean I, I I remember Gregory Joffrey losing it on Larry Eustace about taking transfers. And, 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 and I remember I remember, Jimmy,
0: I remember Jimmy I remember Jimmy Pollard going on a radio show talking about the epidemic of transfer culture.
1: Yes, yes, Yes. but when the mayor calls, whatever you need, sir, you bet, right away, sir, and that's what Alford is going to get at Indiana, and he's going to do it at a time that, you know, Mike Bray's a nice nice guy, he's done a good job at Notre Dame, but they've never really been a national uh, basketball program, they've been to one Final Four ever in the entire history of the school. Uh, you know, Matt Painter was fired at Purdue if he had not signed Caleb Swannigan. Now, I think without Swanigan next year if Vince Edwards comes back, they'll be an NCAA tournament team because you'll just they won't be as good, but they'll still be an NCAA tournament team. But Matt Painter's not a guy he's not a Gene Cady. He's not a guy that owns the gym when he walks in a room like Gene Cady did. Alford's walking into that state at the perfect time. Bray has done a good job at Notre Dame, but they're not a recruiting factor really in that state. And he's probably on the downside of his career. Painter is a guy that isn't isn't an alpha-dominant personality. He's going to dominate that state. And he's going to get things done that Tom Crane could not get done. People are going to do things for him because he's Jimmy freaking Chitworth they wouldn't do for anybody else. And so I think even though he's not a great coach, he absolutely has the potential to become one because of the circumstances he will walk into there.
0: Yeah, and I think that he'll, I mean, for instance, a player that Iowa is getting from Indiana who will be a freshman next year Jack Nungy um, his team lost a uh, couple nights ago I think he had like 33 and 13 against um, oh, Ben Davis which is a perennial basketball powerhouse in Indianapolis yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely, yeah. N- Nungi is being considered by indie star writers uh, among five players for the state's Mr. Basketball title. The other four players are all top 35 national products. None of them are going to Indiana. Indiana never even, Tom Queen never even sniffed around on Nungi. I think Iowa's getting an absolute steal, a, a Jared Utoff light, but a guy that has a little more edge to him than Utoff. I think that a guy like that wouldn't have left. Indiana a year from now him what's you're
1: right. that a year from now a year from now no way you're getting that kid not a chance no the, the, this is where this is really where it won't even just be administratively but the high school ranks and the coaches in that state are going to put an immense amount of pressure on their kids to go to Indiana if Indiana wants them It's going to make recruiting that state much more difficult the pressure for those kids to stay and play for the old ball coach the all-star kid you know the prodigal son who's returned that is uh that's going to put an extra premium on the recruiting of the state of indiana and i think that and 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 that is and that is is something that alfred will get because of who he is that literally no other person on planet earth that they could bring in would get
0: I don't disagree, and and if he does become their head coach, oh man, that is going to be, uh, that is going to make uh, some Indiana visits to Iowa City rather entertaining to watch.
1: How much you want to bet? Let's lay down this marker right now, that if he becomes Indiana's coach, Iowa and Indiana next year only play one time, and it's at Assembly Hall.
0: Yeah, somehow the computer's just going to spit that one out, won't it? Somehow the
1: computer, computer decides signs. let's 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 give, let's this, give this a year, a year to uh, to uh, to uh, breathe, okay? Let's give, let's this, give a this a to year breathe. to breathe, especially, especially because, because um, um, I I can't imagine Alford wanting, wanting to coach. coach to, I think Thomas, Thomas Bryant's, Bryant's a sophomore, sophomore right? but I think That's several of those juniors for Indiana, Indiana are going to go. Who knows, who knows, how, knows how good of a team they will have next year? I think Iowa's a preseason top twenty-five team next year, and Indiana is. Uh, a brand. Indiana basketball is the brand in the Big Ten. So I could certainly see the, the, the conference scheduling computer just deciding, you know, maybe those teams will play just one time next year and the game will be in Bloomington.
0: You know what the problem with that is? I'm back three seasons now. And
1: they'll, and, they'll, and they'll do you a solid in that you'll only play Sparty once too, but you'll play them in Iowa City. Something like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, the last three seasons... 14, 15, and – wait So, in 14, the teams played one time. In 15, Iowa and Indiana played one time. In 16, they played twice. And then this year, they played one time. So, if that happens, then yes. And that one time
1: was in Iowa City, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, If that happens, I will absolutely – Think that a conspiracy is afoot because they've they've only, they've had one plays in three of the last four seasons, and it shouldn't be much more than that. No doubt. Yeah, because either. I
1: don't I don't I don't know how good of a team they'll have. And so the, the, the story will simply be his return. And I could see that getting really ugly and and, to, and with nothing to gain. On the other hand, when when if both teams are good and have something to play for, the chance of that that, the game, yeah, that becomes a sideshow. But then once the game starts, hey, we got to win this basketball game. Just a Pretty hunch. Much. You know, we'll see. Just yeah, a
0: and, and obviously Fran doesn't care. He wasn't around. It'll be just more, uh, yeah, yeah. just add another layer of drama to it. But I'll say this. Steve, Steve learned on the job in a lot of ways at Iowa. And when he brought in Craig Neal, Craig did a lot of his X's and O's for him and also held a few bags for him, but we'll leave that alone. And 5 06, it was a great team. Um, and then he, Indiana was, there was a flirtation with Indiana at that point in time, likely a lot more from Alford's camp to Indiana than the other way around. And I understood that. I didn't like his flirtation with the Missouri job at that point in time, because I'm like, w- dude, you're you're starting to tick me off with this. And then when he lied, or oh, the way that he
1: hung Greg Lansing out to dry, which I've never forgotten about.
0: Yeah. yeah, and and then when he lied about it, and I called him on it on uh, kicks, and know, oh, that that uh, led to five or six months later a little uh, preseason powwow between myself and Steve and, and Craig Neal and uh, associate at the time, associate SID, Steve Rowe were all in the same room together. And Steve wanted to talk to me and him and Newell were sitting there all quiet, cross-legged and I'm sitting there. Uh, I even put a tie on for the meeting and I'm just sitting there with my hands in my lap, just looking at both of them, quiet as a mouse, not saying a word. They're staring at me, <laughs> not saying a word. And then uh, Steve Rowe, after about a minute of the most... I had
1: that same meeting, actually. It was just me and offered by ourselves, but I had that same meeting.
0: The most uncomfortable silence ever, but I wasn't talking because you know my rule on this. He who speaks first loses. So uh, Steve Rowe had to jump in and and get us talking, and Steve asked me who my source was on the Missouri thing, and I said, dude, it doesn't work that way. And it got a little heated, and at one point in time I said, I'm going to be doing this covering the Hawkeyes a lot longer than you're gonna be here coaching the Hawkeyes. So I'm not gonna burn any bridges and I'm beholden to the fans and not you. Anyway, that went about as you thought it might go, but I don't wish ill on Steve. I don't at all. I've actually buried the hatchet with him. A couple, you know, I right there at the end of his uh, New Mexico run, I reached out to him in an email because there were some things I did say at the time that I think that I I wouldn't change what I said. I just would change how I said them. I acted immaturely. and uh, so I, I don't have any Ill will, Ill will against him at all. I think him coming back to Indiana, uh, I think you're totally right. I see it as a, a pure, a very analogous to Jim Harbaugh coming home, uh, one of their own sons coming home. Uh, Indiana, I, I do believe Indiana, you know, when you have your big brands, it's good for the Big Ten when the best brands are strong. And in, in college basketball, it's different even than college football. I, I don't like an Ohio State being as strong as they are in football because your percentage chances of, of beating them in football are a lot less than are your chances of beating a very good team in basketball on your home court. A lot different. Uh, it's just a different sport in that, so I have no problem with him coming back. And yeah, I do think that they'll be better, but I do think it will be very, uh, it be very entertaining for the off the court stuff uh, and drama that we just talked about.
1: Well, I look at his, I look at his tenure at, at Iowa. You know, he he comes in, he's the hot coach. He had just taken Southwest Missouri State, now called Missouri State, to a Sweet 16, and he had the big name. And, and I remember covering his hiring, and, and the expectation was that he would open up huge recruiting pair, you know, parameters for Iowa to get players that Tom Davis couldn't have gotten. Well, the reality is probably the best team he ever had was at the end. When, he had, when they were dominated by the three Iowa kids, Bruner, Horner, and Haluska, Haluska, who landed in his lap because, because Haluska, Haluska wanted to get the hell out of Ames with the, with the whole Eustachia thing. Things. And and that's, and that's exactly, exactly why I think, think he'll be a great coach in Indiana. Be, yeah. because, because I don't, I don't think, think he opens up huge recruiting, recruiting uh, doors on a national, national level. level. I don't. And that's why he's got players at UCLA. They're not players there. Okay, she's got to build one or two relationship with local people with the UCLA brand, and he gets Lonzo Ball, and then his next, his next brothers two brothers, and TJ Leaf. Okay, okay. but that, that he can get those guys in Indiana now every single year. Every single year, the high school coaches in that state, because they grew up either rooting for him, or playing with him, or watching him, or going to clinics for it with his dad. Those guys are going to make sure he's got players every single year. And when those players don't get their their way and they call home and they they want to transfer, it's going to be those high school coaches. They're going to be the ones that are going to step in and say, hell to the no, because I got, you know, I got a junior kid coming up that I want to be playing in Indiana. And so uh, I'm not, you're not burning that bridge. Stay there and suck it up, buttercup. I don't want you, don't give me your snowflake act. You know, do you, you know, go, go go work go your ass, work ass out like everybody else does, does? And that's and that and, that, and, 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 and see and that, that is an environment that I think Steve needs. See, you know, you know you one know, of the things we saw when Steve was in Iowa is that, is that when they'd that have, they have when they would have attrition and they'd get down to seven or eight guys, he did a great job. Why? Because those seven or eight guys that stuck it out were like him when he was a player. They loved basketball as much as he did. Where I think Steve struggled was to motivate guys that didn't have to work as hard as Steve Alford did to be good. I think he struggled with that. I think it's why he won really big at New Mexico. You're getting guys that are coming in from transfers from other schools or JUCOs. They know they have to put up with you because it's the last gasp that they have. All right. All right, well, there's well, few places Steve on a power five, a power five level, level. where we're st- That's why Steve like has struggled, struggled at UCLA. UCLA. He, had he had one team one that was, was okay and then went they on a went sweet 16, 16 run. run. Last, Last year's, year's team was, was abysmal, the season, man. They were they under they 500. Were 500. The only the difference, difference, difference is this is they year they got Lonzo Ball. ball. and Uh, and and that's a guy that that fell into his lap lap. well where I think where where Steve's going to succeed and excel at Indiana Indiana is is, is every every year year, he's going to get kids that that by and large want to be there as much as he does does. that want to work like he used to want to work because the infrastructure around that program as many nights are going to force that and they're going to free Steve Alford up to just have to coach basketball not have to be a brand himself not have to be a prodigal son not have to sell, uh, you know, be bigger than the program like he was asked to be when he took over at Iowa. All those things now are off the table. All that infrastructure will be supplied for him now. The high school coaches will do all the dirty work for him on the recruiting trail. All he's got to do now is just coach basketball. And and, and when when the kids don't listen, dude just points up at the walls up there at assembly hall and says, those are mine. Shut your hole and know your role or I'm calling your mom and dad. And they're going to listen because they have to. He
0: was 35 when he got the Iowa job. And I think back to myself at 35, um, I mean, I was still a a drunk and incredibly immature. And 17 years later, I'm a lot more mature, uh, a lot more wiser. And I think that's a natural process for people that at least are doing life half right. He learned a lot on and off the court. And I think he's a lot better coach and and guy now than he was uh, back then, and I think he was as much as he could be, was humbled by that experience. Um, maybe not as much as it might humble other people, uh, but he has a very healthy ego, and most successful people do. So, we'll be interested to see if it happens. And that was
1: one of the biggest misunderstanding. Pardon me, John. The biggest misunderstanding about his time at Iowa was the role that his dad played. I think a lot of people thought that the dad was a problem. Looking over his son's shoulder all the time, it was, and they were right that the dad was the Sam was the problem, or was a problem, but it was not that. It was being a freaking fanboy. He used to take, we used to watch him take take Steve Pat Hardy columns. Hey, you see what they're saying about you? His dad basically was his alt, was like his agent. Frankly, he'd have been better off if his dad was actually looking over his shoulder and babysitting him. Instead, his dad was enabling him all the time, which just further fueled the ego issue, you know. And so I think th- I think those are a lot of things that are gone now, ironed out. And and you're right. I think he has grown and learned. I think that's why I, I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a competent one. I think he's matured, though, a lot as a coach. And I think when he gets to Indiana, they are going to do everything possible to help him. Because what does it say about Indiana? Yeah. If, Steve if Steve Alford, Alford there can't, can't make him a national program again, again right yeah. Yeah. what I'm saying yeah
0: failure's not got an, got an option
1: with this hire they have to make it work
0: yeah indeed good point all right uh, that'll do it for this week's installment of the uh, Miller and Dace portion of the HN podcast as always thank you very much for listening